Welcome back to 1010's Podcast. My name is Michael Beck with Adam Nielsen and Mr. Handsome Robbie, and we have a guest on the phone this week. We have uh, Mr. Mike DeFord. He's the marketing manager with Titan Fuel Tanks. How you doing, Mike? Doing good. How are you guys? Good. Real good. We're excited to have you on. Obviously, Titan Fuel Tanks has been a partner of ours um, probably going on a couple of months now. Um, we announced in last week's show that we're going to be doing a giveaway, which we want to talk about this week, but... We want to know a little bit about, you know, the company and some of your background, Mike. I know you've done some pretty interesting things, and we were talking about um, you're currently doing kind of a amateur rallycross at the moment. So um, maybe we could jump into that first. What are you guys up to with this rallycross? Yeah, so I've uh, my entire life. I grew up in an SCCA family. Dad brought me home from the hospital in a five ten. You know the whole thing, and. Uh, always worked in the industry. I have 25 years. All I've done is worked automotive aftermarket and racing. And I hate organized motorsports and not talking bad about SCCA or NASA. I've worked for them, the whole thing. But the the rules of snobbery, that sort of thing, is, it, it, takes it, away, it takes the fun away. I mean, you know, we all do track days. We all do racing, whether it's autocross or not. And, uh, you know, it, it all gets too serious, you know, and we want to have fun. I mean, that, all of us want to have fun in our cars. And when it becomes too serious, we, you know, start losing interest. Or, you know, it, it, it always turns into one thing or another. We go broke, you know, because we have to spend more money on parts, whatever it is. So I've got uh, 10 acres of property, and for the last couple of years we've been doing – you know, SCCA rallycross sort of stuff for fun, you know, bomber cars, you know, 500 buck, buck uh, you know, salvage yard sort of stuff that, you know, we will you know, pitch in all together and go out and, you know, run cones and jump over bumps and that sort of stuff. And uh, it, it started getting more and more interest. We had more and more people wanting to be involved. So uh, we're doing it for real. We've really, we've gone out, graded a track, uh, made you know, insurance, legal, yumps, and uh, all that sort of stuff. And while we're not running true competition, everything will be timed. We're not doing it by class. You can show up in a, you know, Subaru Justy that's, you know, rusted out as long as it's, you know, safe. Or, uh, you know, you can show up in a brand-new STI that, uh, you know, you you think you're going to be the next WRC star and come out and have some fun and, you know, compete for your own time, that sort of stuff. And really just doing it all for fun. And that's really where motorsports has got with me in the last over the last 25 years is if i can't have fun doing it i'm not going to spend time doing it well i think we all agree that the car that you're using to compete in this is <laughs> interesting it's ever. yeah it's 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 pretty awesome for this particular application yeah so i bought a 2014 nismo juke front wheel drive six speed and uh i bought it once i'm a nissan guy i always have been and I like unique weirdo stuff, and so I could have picked, you know, any Nissan, but it appealed to me. I needed a daily driver at the same time. It's fun. It's kind of quick. Uh, the car's a blast. You know, I've completely rally-lighted it out, put the hood pod on it, you know, mud flaps, full rally <laughs> suspension, running D-Mac tr- tires daily on it, you know, yes. the whole thing. Uh, and people look at me like I'm I'm a crackhead. You know, I live in a conservative town, and people are looking at me like, what, what are you doing in this? Um, Love but it. it's good. Other than the handling is absolute trash because the six-speed front-wheel drive car comes with a solid rear axle. Uh, there's not an independent rear option on the front-wheel drive. So trying to uh, make a car handle bumps and slide sideways and all that with a you know with a solid rear axle. You know, there's a reason guys don't drift 
you know, old Mustangs and stuff like that without putting a ton of work into them because solid rear axles don't work real well. So I bought it not knowing that, and uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But, again, it's all for fun, and who really cares? Definitely. So how many people do you think are going to be competing in this kind of homegrown series? Uh, so last year we had regular you know, 20, 25 guys coming out on a Saturday, and right now we've got it. We're at 34, 35, I think, something oh, like wow. that, uh, around the first weekend of June. And, you know, we'll see how many of them actually show up. But, you know, it's, again, I'm not doing it for money or anything. So whether one guy shows up or they all show up plus some, it's, uh, you know, it's all good. So, yeah, it's interesting you're getting that many people because it sounds like you're pretty rural, you know, and I, are you getting people that are traveling then or? No, there's, there's a good scene locally. I mean, within, we'll say, 100 square miles, you know, there's 100,000 people or something. And okay. So there's a good car scene. There's a lot of track guys out here. Miller Motorsport Park's only two and a half hours from us. So there's a you know there's there's a there's a group. Um, but then a lot of the guys that that I'm hearing from that have never done this sort of thing before are wanting to bring you know pre-runner style trucks out or you know their Jeep and stuff like that, which we can't do via insurance. You, you can have a little bit of a lift, but it can't be crazy. Just you know, insurance doesn't want to deal with. Uh, you know, high center of gravity and guys rolling over. So, how are you dealing with that insurance thing? Because anytime we've had anybody locally that's wanted to do an event, you know, even at that Marshalltown track that they closed this year, that insurance thing is a freaking nightmare. I mean, who who underwrites that? How do you even find the people that do that? So, I I was marketing director with with NASA National Autosport Association on the East Coast for a few years, and one of the things I dealt with was, was insurance there. So. I sort of learned how to play the game there, and through contacts, I've uh, made it really, really inexpensive. And we're not doing it again as a as a competition. We're timing it so you can get your own lap times, but we're not running classes. All the cars are being teched for safety, that sort of thing. Sure. But we're not running classes. There's no trophies, that sort of thing. It's it's really for fun and and not anything else. You know, if you want to bet your friend that you're faster, that sort of thing. But if we're to do it as competition, then the insurance of the cost of everything would increase, you know, 10 times. Uh, but where we're doing is, uh, you know, basically a driving clinic. Sure. Um, you know, it, it helps keep, keep costs down a little bit. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. I suppose that's why the SECA and NASA, you know, have a hold on the market because they can kind of spread that risk out among a bunch of regions. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas, and then you know, it helps owning the property too. You know, I mean, how many, you know, how many club events actually own whether they're autocrossing or whatever it is? I mean, no one really owns the facility where they're running at. So there's the added, you know, the property owner wants, you know, five million dollar accident coverage. You know, that sort of right. stuff. Yeah. I don't have to write that into my deal because I own the property and there's absolutely nothing to hit. I mean, the closest house to me is. Uh, probably a mile away uh you know so there's there's not risk of hurting other people that sort of thing uh what we're doing for grid is a way you know that sort of stuff so it just uh you know it helps all the way around i'm i'm a guy that likes to hustle uh and work the deals that i can and you know we'll work the angles to uh make stuff happen so no i dig it that's pretty cool it does sound like a ton of fun that would be something i'd i'd definitely check out if i were more local Absolutely. Yeah, no one's a local to Idaho. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, what what led you to to this point? I mean, obviously, you've been involved in NASA. You've done some other forms of racing. I mean, what are some of the other things you've experienced? 
Well, like I said, my whole career is is auto racing and automotive aftermarket. I started one of the independent import magazines in the late 90s called Street Racer that covered, um, you know, the the import scene before the Fast and the Furious stuff took off. It was uh, Rodney with Toy Machine Racing and I were the two independent magazines out at the time. Um, I've done uh, the U.S. Drift Series, which is based in Virginia. Um, I was one of the partners that started that. A friend of mine, Chris Cabetta, who runs NASA East Coast, and I uh, were trying to figure out a way to bring you know younger guys out to the track. And at that time, it's uh, 2002, and uh, you know everyone was sort of into initial D and you know putting trays mm-hmm. under their front wheel drives and sliding them sideways and all that. And we said, well, let's try to do this. So we did a we did it at a NASA track day at. Um, at Charlotte Motor Speedway and uh, ran drifting on the infield. And we had like 15 guys show up. And, you know, by today's standards, it was all overly, overly ghetto. Um, but some of the guys that were there, you know, uh, you know Brian Eggert uh, was there. Uh, Tony Angelo, who's a Formula D judge for a long time. I'm not sure what Tony's doing now. He's on uh, 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 or Vaughn was there. Forsberg was there. You know, all those huh. guys were... You know, they're all East Coast guys or were East Coast guys, and they ran with our series for uh, for two years until really FD took off. And uh, then from there, you know, the uh, U.S. Drift sort of served as a, as it still does, as an AM series. Um, I've done, you know, marketing director for Hawk Performance, the brake company, and yeah. everything else. And a couple of years ago, I, I walked away from the industry. I was... I said earlier, you know, when it's not fun anymore, why do it? And racing and performance became not fun because it was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I couldn't go to the track and have fun anymore because no matter what, I was always hustling for work. You know, I I tried to do a track day myself or go race and, uh, you know, would end up, you know, taking care of customers or working marketing deals, you know, that sort of stuff. And it Mm -hmm. just, it, it got to be not fun. So, I uh, I walked away and uh, a company where where I live, uh, Titan Fuel Tanks, they manufacture large capacity diesel tanks for like F three fifty, you know, Fords, uh, you know, regular diesel pickup trucks. So it takes your like in a two thousand sixteen Ford F two fifty short bed, the stock tank's twenty six gallons, our replacement tank is fifty gallons. No fab, no nothing, just bolt it right in, take your old tank out, bolt ours into place and away you go. Uh, and so it kept me in the industry, but, you know, made it so that I could go race and play and have fun and, uh, you know, not, not worry about working all the time. I find it amazing that in this day and age that an OEM makes a product that, you know, isn't a hundred percent of what they could give, I guess, you know, I, you know, maybe people don't really care or most people don't care about fuel capacity for a truck. But to me, if you're, if you have a diesel truck and you're pulling, that would be something to take into consideration is how much fuel can I hold? How far can I go between stops? But so it seems amazing to me that, that you can just drop a tank and replace it with a Titan tank and with no fab, you know, like double, double your, your capacity. capacity. Yeah, it seems amazing. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, how, how many of, of us, you know, travel to, to the track pulling our, our car on a trailer and you have to stop every 250 miles you know, to fill up with diesel. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And so, and that's how the company started. You know, 14 years ago, the owner 
Uh, he liked going to Lake Havasu, and Lake Havasu from Idaho is 700 miles, and he was stopping every 250 miles with a you know giant fifth wheel and a boat and all that sort of stuff. And he was like, there's got to be some other way of doing this, and that was the start of Titan. And then you know from that we've we've grown. We do all sorts of stuff, uh, like the tank we're giving away with you guys is gasoline legal and all of that. Uh, you know, so we we expand. Uh, you know, as time goes on and. You know, where I've got a racing background, and again, you know, how many racers out there, drifters, autocrossers, what have you, you know, are, are towing with a diesel truck. It made sense to uh, partner up with you guys and, and some of the other guys out to, uh, you know, share the message and, uh, you know, get everyone knowing what we're doing and, you know, supporting at the same time what everyone likes to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at the beginning of this partnership, you and I had some conversations about Titan and some of the things that you do, and, you know, you made a point about tracks anymore you're starting to see fewer and fewer of them actually carrying fuel for the cars um which is why this sidekick transfer tank is so cool because you can actually bring whatever fuel that you need with you and transfer it to the car yeah so it's going back about five years ago now the epa who we all love is uh it came in and made it to where everyone had to upgrade their in-ground fuel tanks if they were selling fuel so all the gas stations had to go to these new expensive tanks. Anyone that is selling fuel anywhere, uh, the cutoff is next year has to upgrade to these tanks. So your places like CMP or Summit or Willow, that, those sorts of places, you know, they don't sell enough gas to warrant, you know, putting a, a you know eighty thousand dollar tank in the ground. And so it's just easier not to sell fuel because they know racers are going to know what's up and they're going to show up with fuel. But then you have a problem with that too is. You can't drive around with a 50-gallon drum in the back of your truck. Uh, you know, depending on what state you live in, there's there's huge fines for that. Uh, especially depending, you know, you get pulled over, and depending on how it's secured, stuff like that. I mean, we we've seen trucks impounded. We know with guys doing that. We do a lot of uh, stuff within off-road racing, and guys that you know are running Baja and, and you know that sort of desert race stuff. And those guys, you know, traditionally have run, you know, their fuel tanks, you know, in the back. They, they'll carry, you know, four 50-gallon drums, you know, across the border to support a race car for a week worth of racing. And, uh, you know, that that can't be done anymore with without some, some huge fines. So we came up with a sidekick tank, which is, it mounts in the bed. It's 15 gallons, and it's legal for gas and diesel, and it... Where it really started to take off was in you know the motorcycle market, guys with dirt bikes and stuff like that, so they didn't have to carry five-gallon cans and all of that. And then over time, and not without me, I, I wasn't pushing it. You know, I, I really didn't know that you know the road race crowd, the drift guys would would take on to it. Uh, but over time, we've slowly started penetrating within the marketplace because. You know, it's it's a, a secure tank. It comes with a transfer pump. The transfer is just over two gallons a minute. So, you know, it's only 15 gallons, but you can mount a couple of them. Some guys only need 15 gallons a race weekend, you know, that sort of stuff. And so it makes it to where, you know, you can really have the, you know, be your self-serving fuel station. And, and that's important. You know, I mean, how many autocross guys try to run with just the least amount of fuel they can in the car for, you know, a single run plus, you know, a little bit of idle time. The same with drift and everything else. And so it's uh, it's really found a, a cool niche spot within the road race community, which is, you know, cool for me because that's what I do and that's what my passion is. So it, uh, you know, brings me back full circle. Definitely. I run with the fuel light on in the Fiat. I'll put it that way. <laughs> run with the yep. minimum amount of fuel that it's actually going to run with. 
My, I carry a tank with me. My car is very, very tail happy if I don't have at least a half a tank of fuel. And I've found that even with the extra weight, the car's probably still faster because it's not trying to slide around and kill me. So sometimes you need to transfer in fuel purely for, well, weight transfer, really. Right, exactly. Yeah, okay. I didn't realize you actually did that. What's that? Running with your... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, for years, I've run with almost no fuel in that car. How have I raced with you for this long and not I don't realize know. you had I'll, a fuel tank in your truck? Or Yeah, I'll put fuel in the car a couple times over the course of an autocross. I mean, unless we overfilled huh. it or something like that. <laughs> we'll, we'll run it with, like, no fuel in it. That's funny. I, I, I just go the opposite. I, I fill up in the morning so I can have enough gas to go there, do my racing all day, and then and come then home. Leave. <laughs> my problem is, though, my car is not... My car wants to understeer, not oversteer. So less weight back there is probably yeah. a good thing. You know what I mean? Whereas right. with you, well, especially now, especially you probably now. want more weight, <laughs> try to get a little bit of weight transfer on the back. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably actually helping me more than it's hurting me. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think you have a a, a weight power issue, I'll power probably, to weight issue. I'll probably be fine. Yeah. You'll probably be fine, especially with those huge uh, Hoosiers you put on there the other day. Yeah, that'll be fun. How wide are those? 245s. Yeah, they're huge. They're not that huge. They're doesn't pretty start, big. It doesn't start with a three. It's not huge by yeah. modern well, day I, standards. When they're square, though, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's It's got a look to it. Let's put it I that know, way. They stick way out, and i got to figure out how high I have to go with my suspension before I have Actually to Actually use them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure that out. Anyways. Yep. So, I mean, what are some of the other things Titan provides? I mean, obviously, we talked about OEM replacement tanks, and, I mean, you guys came from the diesel world. What do you guys provide to guys that do Baja racing or, you know, do off-road things with their trucks as well. I know you have some Jeep applications. Yeah, we've got a, a Jeep tank for, uh, really it's a Jeep tank now, but we're in the process of developing new fitment so it'll fit an FJ Cruiser, that sort of thing, uh, you know, Isuzu Troopers, that sort of stuff, because there's such a demand for it. It's, it's tough with gasoline. The EPA has regulations to where you can put a, an oversized diesel tank, replacement tank in your truck, but you can't do that with gasoline. You know, we got guys with Tundras especially that, you know, beat our doors down all the time demanding, you know, a bigger replacement tank, but it's just not EPA legal. They do not allow it. There's no way to do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you do it if you went to a race shop and had a certified race fuel cell, uh, you know, fabbed into the truck or your car, whatever it is, but that's the only legal way to do a, a larger gas tank. And so with gasoline, we're limited to transfer, which means you have to stop the vehicle. You have to use a pump and, you know, pump it out while you're stationary. You can't gravity feed. You can't do a larger tank. You can't do that sort of stuff. So on the gas side, we're, we're very limited to really the off-road guys and then our, our sidekick in bed tank. Uh, on the diesel side, we really do a little bit of everything from transfer tanks that go in the back of the truck to the replacement tanks. We do a tank that goes in the spare tire well of, of a truck. You, you've got a, you know, a Chevy 2500, and you've put a six-inch lift on it, and you're running 38-inch tires. Your spare tire is worthless now, and so that space is always that empty. And guys that have done those, you know, sorts of modifications to their truck, and so we created a 30-gallon auxiliary fuel cell that mounts in the spare tire area and feeds fuel to the main tank as you drive down the road. So, um, you know, it's it's really all about increasing 
everyone's drivability and, and capacity, you know, keeping guys out of the gas stations. The DOT says the average fuel stop, which I think is ridiculous. I, I, I've never stayed at a gas station for 32 minutes, but that's what they say the average <laughs> person spends in a gas station is 32 minutes when they're filling up with fuel. That's way too um, long. <laughs> which, again, I'm not that guy, but, you know, that's their study, not ours. So, uh, you know, it, it keeps people on the road longer. And, you know, for people like hotshot drivers, you see the guys you know, delivering, you know, tractors or whatever it is, you know, being pulled by a, you know, Ram, a, an F-350, whatever it is. Those guys are being paid by the mile, and the faster they get a job done, the better. So if they can go three times the distance, two times the distance, whatever it may be, you know, it means they're they're home quicker, they're finishing the job quicker, and they're getting paid. So with, with our products, you can also run them all piggybacked together, too. You can run a 100-gallon in-bed tank with a 30-gallon spare tire tank and a 50-gallon replacement tank. So you're pushing, you know, what, 165 gallons or whatever. And you, you can drive from... San Diego to Texas, you know, with without stop, <laughs> and that's, that's so uh, other than the sea, of course. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, so it's it's really about giving the customers the ability to you know have the freedom to do what they want in their vehicles. That's pretty cool. That's that's a really interesting business model. Now, you guys have kind of a different approach to tanks, I guess. A lot of guys make you know metal fuel tanks and things like that, but you're. What do you guys make yours out of? It's not polycarbonate, but yeah, it's a it's a cross-linked polymer. Okay, so it's basically the same stuff that they use in like the Abrams tanks and using the military and you know attack vehicles that sort of stuff. And so a metal tank will rust, it'll corrode, it'll bend, it'll break, all of those sorts of things. Polymer doesn't do that. Uh, you know, it keeps its shape. We've done video where. You know, you, you run into it at 30 miles an hour, mounted on the back of a truck, and, you know, it'll it'll make an impact, it'll push in, and then it pops right back out to place. Um, so we're the only company out doing a lifetime warranty on fuel tanks because you can't warranty a metal fuel tank. I mean, it's impossible. Uh, you know, who, who wants to be on the hook for replacing the guy's tank? The guy lives, uh, you know, in Minnesota where they have horrible winters, you know, roads are solid, all that sort of stuff. The cars rust out immediately anyways. Mm-hmm. You sell a guy a $1,500 fuel tank, and you've got to replace it in two years because it's rusting out. You know, you just can't do that. Our stuff doesn't rust, doesn't corrode. So it's it's cool. It, it takes a little bit for people to get used to. The, the guy that's bought the traditional metal tank for so long looks at it and goes, I'm not buying a plastic tank. Well, they don't understand, you know, really the strength of it and the reasoning, you know, behind that. I think that YouTube video you guys have where, uh, where you drop them from – cranes does a very good job of demonstrating the difference so yeah that's that, that, that's a fun part of a job you know when you can rent a crane and drop <laughs> fuel tanks from 30 feet up with gopros mounted on them uh what's crazy about that video if you watch it is the dot the epa and all those guys actually allow a tank to leak x amount of fuel uh i think it's it's something like an eighth of a gallon a minute or something like that oh, in an impact Whoa. um Ours, you watch the video, ours clearly doesn't break. The other guys will shatter and break apart. Ours don't leak a drop. We had a guy in, I want to say it was Michigan, had a Ram truck. He was rear-ended and T-boned in the same accident. Chassis destroyed the whole thing. And uh, the pictures of the tank are you know, I'm going to say more than impressive, and of course I'm biased, but the tank is 100% intact while the frame rail right next to it is, you know, bent like a pretzel. 
It's pretty amazing when you watch him when you watch you guys drop that metal tank. I mean that that speaks for itself. There's I assume that was water in that tank, but it's everywhere. Right. Yeah. I mean it's spilling all over the place. Yeah, I mean metal just doesn't have that that flex. It doesn't have any give. You know, you can't uh, you, you can't change metal's properties. And so when you impact it or it gets crushed, you know, there's only two things that can happen: is it's it's either going to break or it's going to collapse in on itself so far that it's still going to rupture, you know, out the the cap or a breather valve or whatever it is. Sure. Yep. So obviously you guys are partnering with us. Um, Are you guys sponsoring any other motorsports this year? Yeah, we we do some stuff uh, in in off-road racing, uh, Baja-type off-road desert race stuff. Sponsor a couple of road race guys around the country, grassroots guys, nothing at a pro level or anything like that we use some motocross uh working on maybe a uh, a rally program there's a team out of seattle that uh, runs a, a subaru program and everything that they tow with uh, they've got three f-350 tow vehicles and uh, they're using our tanks right now they, they actually bought them uh not you know, reach out to us or anything, and then I saw the, the name on it and recognized the name. Looked back at them and reached out. And we're, so we're trying to do some stuff there. So it's it's really sort of small at this point. We're we're doing it to you know test the ground of the waters. You know, while I said that you know we're we're being embraced where we are. Uh, you know, before you can spend marketing money, you gotta you know make sure the the market's truly going to support what you're doing. And so we're we're sort of taking baby steps right now and and having a little fun. Did you go to the Baja 1000 this year? Did you say you were there? I think. Uh, no, not last year. I've done it uh, a ton before, but okay. uh, I haven't done it this past year. You're a king of hammers, wasn't that what it that's, was? That's what it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did king of hammers this year. That's quite an interesting race. It looks like. It really, it's not about a race. I mean, well, I, and right. I don't mean Event, you know, I any say. disrespect to those guys that put that on, but it's it's a week long party everybody camps on a, on a lake bed there's you know 65,000 people that camp out every night and you know shoot off fireworks and go wheeling during the day and you know all of that sort of stuff it's it's very odd you'd be in the middle of the desert i mean we're 65 miles from the closest town and we're hanging out in our booth one day and a girl walks by pulling a wagon and she's selling girl scout cookies it's like 10 30 in the morning it's <laughs> 75 degrees out and we're really nowhere near anything so hopefully you know she came with you know a racer an enthusiast that was out there but it's a it's a cool event but it's you have to be a hardcore off-road guy and i like off-road but i'm not hardcore enough that staying in the desert and being that dirty for for eight days is anywhere near fun yeah, but I never even thought about that. I get, you probably get sand and stuff in places you didn't even know was possible. Yeah, I take a secondary phone with me. I don't take my iPhone. I, I take an old Samsung because it'll be caked with dirt, and you know, half the time it'll come back just destroyed. So Completely you, you don't take nice clothes. You don't take anything nice. It's just you know, you you live. Uh, it's sort of like Burning Man. Really, really, that's what it is. It's Burning Man, but with off road instead of uh, a bunch of you know drunk uh, you know hipsters. I don't. I don't know. Uh, apparently, I don't know anything about this. I. Th- I, burning it, Man? Well, no, not Burning Man. Oh, okay. But is it, uh, what are they actually doing for events? I mean, what's the sanctioned part of this? So it's a it's a rock crawling rock race. Rock crawling forever was you know guys basically just idling over big giant obstacles, and then 
the Cole family, which is in charge of King of the Hammers, decided to throw a racing element into it. So half of the the race is desert Baja style racing, and then the other half of it is going over you know overly technical you know climbing up mountains that sort of stuff over you know crazy rocks and and that sort of thing no one does it well i shouldn't say no one very few people do it in you know a production stock chassis type of jeep even though there is a class for that uh but they they have i don't know what it is four classes or something and it's uh i mean it's it's really a festival it's an off-road festival with some some racing thrown in the middle of it and the race is crazy. I mean, you know, if you if you get into it and you can appreciate the technical side of the driving and what it takes, uh, you, you enjoy it a lot more. Again, you know, I enjoy off-road and, and I can appreciate it. But, uh, you know, when you see what a guy is able to do with one of these things and the stuff they could go over and crawl and all that is, is definitely impressive. I'm sure these guys are the best of the best, too, in the country. Actually, that's one of the cool things about it is we sponsor a kid who it's him, his girlfriend, his brother, and a couple of other friends. They camp out there. They get drunk every night, that sort of thing. And they didn't finish. They they broke, uh, you know, like 100 miles from the finish or something like that. But, you know, they they were still competitive in their class. And then you have guys, you know, Casey Curry, uh, you know, or that sort of name that go out there and, you know, have, you know, million-dollar budgets and huge sponsors and that sort of thing and, sure. you know, go for broke. It's cool when you can get that form of motorsport where you get both, you know, because a lot of what you see televised anyway is just big-dollar motorsport. Yeah, for sure. I think Jesse Combs goes there, or has been going there the last couple of years, too. Oh, from... Uh, she used to do a lot of, like... She was on Speed TV. Yeah, a lot of TV shows. And she did that rally in Cedar... That came through Cedar Rapids that we didn't go to, and I can't yeah. remember what that was called, but it was like the a vintage... The Great Race? Yeah, it was called The Great Race. Something like that? She's she's doing... Well, uh, Long Gittin, the, the monster Ford driver uh, in Formula D, he built, a, he built a rock rig and goes out. He's raced King of the Hammers the last two years. Oh no shit! Really? That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. Does he have like a? Is he like a have a team? Because Forsberg has like a team now, or was he just doing that just because it was fun? I I don't know how Vaughn's deal is set up for sure. I don't know if someone else is building it, you know, manning it, that sort of thing, and he yeah. just drives. I, I don't know. I don't know his program real well. Do you guys like BJ Baldwin? You know, Baja. 1,000 winner, does he go to stuff like King of the Hammers? Or is that not really his scene? I don't think BJ's ever ran out there. It's just a very weird It is. It's like a a mix of everything. It's a mix of people from a lot of different scenarios and then a lot of partying, which is, you know, that part's cool too, but... I think it'd be fun for a day, but I think I'd be good and ready (laughs) to go home. I think Mike hit the nail on the head. Go there for a couple (laughs) days, experience it, and then, you know try to blow all the sand out of your nose you especially would have a oh, terrible time God, be so miserable. could you imagine all of your stuffiness but then compounded just, with no, sand just, you wouldn't be able to breathe at all uh-uh. coolest thing we saw this year was a kid had a mercedes-benz 300d in a four-door sedan <laughs> that he ripped the trunk out of and put like a pre-runner style you know vertical spare tire carrier oh, yes. in the yeah. back of it didn't lift it at all still running on Mercedes wheels and the whole thing and was just 
bahan around out there for fun all week long, you know, racing through the whoops and bottom them out, you know, the whole thing. I mean, just again, you know, it's it's he's out there for fun, and that's all. You know, what makes it so great is you got these guys that are taking it way overly serious, and then, you know, you got this kid that shows up in, you know, this horrible, horrible 300 Mercedes and is just going to go for broke and see if he can leave it out there in 100 pieces. That guy gets it. That's the way to do it. <laughs> yep. Hell yeah. Did you see, um, it was one lap two years ago, a guy had, I don't even know what it was that he had, one lap of America, and it broke down. And so his solution for that is he bought a Crown Vic like a $500 Crown Vic off Craigslist, and he finished it in that car. I think the following year there were more than one of them that did that. Oh, really? That ran that's, Crown Vicks. That's the new the thing year now. that you and I went, Robbie, weren't yep. there were two of them there? I think there was two. Well, there's a, that and there's that station wagon. Yeah, there was like a like a family vacation-style station wagon. Oh, the Vista Cruiser? Yep. Yeah, there you go. Hell, that's yeah. what it's called. That's, I, bet, I bet those guys had more fun in the Craigslist car than some of those guys in, like, the McLarens. They definitely had more fun than the guy in the Atom, because I bet that guy was just miserable. That, that guy, been oh, awful. my lord. I remember seeing the picture of him in the rain. <laughs> did you Sleeping. See, did you see any of this, Mike? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That that guy, he's, yeah, he's got bigger balls than I do, I guess. That's, yeah. that's intense to do all eight days or whatever that is. And that was the year that they had those really bad tornadoes, and they right. were out in Texas, and it was raining, and they were in, like, hail, and they were in that Atom. That was the year that Bill did it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah we have a, a good Bill. friend that did it and is doing it again this year. Yep, he's so. doing it again this year. He's he's prepping his car as we speak because I think it starts in a month or three weeks or something like that. It's coming yeah, it's up. It's coming quick. up. It's a cool race. It's a interesting race series. It's not it's not cheap, but uh, if you can do it, it's cool. Yeah, it's not like been intruded upon by huge names, even though Gas Monkey has in the past done it. I don't know if they're going to do it this year. There's a lot of pro-level drivers that you don't realize are pro-level drivers out there. Oh, like maybe not huge uh, names, but a lot of people like, getting paid. Yeah, a lot of like uh, sports car race, like lower level, but still pro drivers. Oh, I got you. Yep. That show up to those events. Well, Roadkill's doing it this year. Yep. And Pikes Peak's the same way. You know, I mean, Pikes yeah. Peak is you know, stayed true 100%. I mean, you, yeah, you have Sebastian Loeb show up with a billion-dollar program, but then you know, I've, I've got a friend here locally that is taking his S12 ghetto Nissan and and racing it this year. Him him and his brother are the only crew in it, you know? So it's cool when you can you can have that mix because it gives all of us hope. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is if we can see a normal guy getting his rocks off and having a blast – whether it's real serious in a jalopy, whatever it is, it gives us hope we can all do it too. That is the the best way to view racing, like to have that mix. Yep. I, I really I, like yeah. seeing that. I agree with you 100%, Mike. I think a lot of even smaller organizations sometimes take the process of it way too seriously and, and then ruin the fun. So I know about, I've experienced that too. And I, f- I feel like, you know, Drifters have been pretty good about that. Things may change after that dude got hit in the face with that wing down in, uh, was that Kansas City? Yeah. Topeka. Topeka. Yeah, Topeka. It was Topeka. I'm sure you saw that picture, Mike, that made a pretty good, oh, yeah. uh, some pretty good rounds. But yeah, that dude got, for, for those that don't know, and I don't know who this would be because it was everywhere, <laughs> they were, everybody was leaning up against a wall, which in normal motorsport, nobody no would way. ever let not a thing. people lean on a wall. But everybody was leaning on a barricade. You know, and that kid was out there. looked like he had a camera in his hand, and it was a 350Z, I think, yeah. with yeah. a 
I think it was a back or a big country. Big country labs. Big, yeah, they, you know, the wing sticking off the back of it, and the end plate just smacked him right in the face as he was coming around. Did you see the driver gave him the end plate? Yeah, I did. <laughs> But it did more than smacked him. Like, it punched him. It was oh, yeah. he was hurt. style knockout sort of. <laughs> uh, you know, it was, it was, yeah, no, it was he, impressive. He got John Jones for sure. <laughs> he, he's lucky he's not dead. <laughs> yeah, actually, he is yeah. lucky he's not dead. Could have could have crushed his that skull. Could, that that could have been bad. That was a bad deal. So, anyway, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of cool motorsports out there for people, you know, to participate at all different levels. That's for sure. You just have to go and find it. I mean, that's... You know, it's like me doing the rallycross thing. You know, you, you got to have a, a desire to do it, and you know, make stuff happen. You know, you, even if there's nothing going on, make what you want. I mean, the closest true rallycross to me is a nine-hour drive. Well, I got to drive nine hours to take three runs in dirt. You know, forget that. I, I got other stuff to do. So, yep. uh, you know, make your own opportunities, and that's the biggest thing in all of motorsports or cars in general is you, you got to make it your own because. If you follow the trends, you you know get suckered into. I got to do it this way. Uh, you'll either go broke or you'll be miserable. One of the two. That's the approach that we've all taken, and that's why our packs numbers all suck. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. But so anyway, um, before we switch over and do anything else, um, just want to remind everybody we've talked about it already on the show, but we are giving away. Um, a sidekick tank from Titan. So go to our Facebook page. There will be details on there about what you need to do to apply for that. Uh, we'll post everything up there. It will have been posted for a few days by now, by the time this episode comes out. Um, and there'll be a time limit. It's limited to the continental United States, but there'll be all the details on there. So please go to our Facebook page and you'll see how you can sign up for that. Um, and we'll be giving that away here shortly. So um, anything else you can think of, Mike? Anything you want to share before we move on? No, I think I'm pretty good. I appreciate uh, the time and, you know, let, let me inform everyone, uh, you know, what Titan's about. It's an important part of, uh, you know, any marketing partnership is, is being able to, uh, you know, take advantage and let everyone know what we're doing and why we're involved with you guys because a lot of people can just throw money around and not give a crap what you do. And I think it's important for, uh, for you know, your, your fans to know that, uh, you know, the guys that are supporting you are doing it because you know number one i've been a listener forever but number two is because you know we're all doing this stuff too uh you know three quarters of our company races something at some point in the last uh you know 10 years so uh you know we're just like everybody else i think we talked about partnerships and sponsorships a little bit on this show and at some point we may dive into that a little bit more but i think that's an important point to make is that if, if that's something you want to get into and you want to do more of with companies you know finding the right alignment and then, you know, working on that partnership is important. So we appreciate the work that you guys have done. And, um, yeah, it's awesome. We're, we're really enjoying it. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Yep. I just remember when you first reached out to us, uh, I was driving down the interstate when we got that message. And I, I literally just about crashed my car. I was so <laughs> pumped about it. I think it. the moral of that story is don't text yeah, and drive. Get off your phone, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a Titan Tanks does not deal. condone looking at your phone while driving. So, um, Robbie, I think we should move on to the news presented by Titan Fuel Tanks. Well, since we've already been talking about Rally, uh, yep. Chevy adds a Rally Sport package to their Tahoe and Suburban, which is probably going to handle a little bit worse than your Juke. Or arguably, it's, maybe it's a little <laughs> it's a little taller. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so the details on this, it's it's kind of more of a package. It's not really like a separate, you know, yeah. line of Tahoes. It's just a it's a Tahoe with a package. Comes with the six point two. 
uh, version of the LT that comes in the trucks. It's 420 horsepower, 460 foot-pounds of torque. It's got 10 gear things, which is a lot. So many. It's a lot of gears. It's so crazy. For all the fuel economy, up to 12. Zero to 60, <laughs> zero to 60 in five and a half seconds. Which is thereabouts. quick that's for very, something that big. That's really quick. It's very fast for a Tahoe, definitely. That's quicker than your SS, isn't it? It's the same, it's the same but I only Basically have the same. four gears. And mine weighs 4,400 pounds. I can't remember what this weighs. Right. It weighs quite a bit more. Right. So everybody was like, this is dumb because Jeep makes a 700 horsepower thing now. And, and I disagree. I don't think that it's dumb at all. This has a real towing capacity and is actually useful. Yeah, this will sell, whereas the Jeep will not. I found it very interesting because we found this article on Jalopnik. We started talking about this. And uh, what's his name? Andrew Collins, who runs um, Truck Yeah, he was talking about how stupid the timing was for releasing this, which may be true. You know, Jeep and and Durango and all that have been on the forefront of high-powered SUVs in the last few months. But then in the comments... Everybody literally said, but yeah, this is the one that I would buy. And, th- and that's the important thing. Right. I mean, who, who cares when it comes out if, if or if, people or are if buying it? Durango makes something better or this or that or whatever. If, if I think it will sell, I totally agree with them. And maybe their timing was bad, but I think this is probably a good move for, good move for Chevy. I mean, the thing is, is everybody grows up at some point. You know, I'm, I'm 45. I've got three kids, a wife, all that. I've, I've got a minivan in my driveway. I hate driving it, but I need a tow rig. I need some of the capacity, that sort of thing. So I own a minivan, but that thing's 100 times better than a minivan or 100 times better than any other SUV except for that Jeep out there. So, you know, why wouldn't you you get behind it? This is still more utilitarian than that Jeep is, though. That's, that's what I think is the oh, big yeah. selling point for it is that it's actually got a real towing capacity. It's still a truck. The Jeep is kind of in this weird marketplace where it doesn't really work well for anything it's sold for. It's it's not a real like race car. You know what I mean? But they kind of want it to be. Yeah. And it's yeah, I agree with you. It's it's not a full-size SUV either. The so the Denali with this engine can tow 8400 pounds. Which for a half ton chassis, that's a lot. That's a lot. So you can yeah. easily, you know, you can you can tow quite a bit with this. You can take your kids. You can throw the dogs in the back. You can do the whole deal. So I think I, as many Tahoes as they sell, as popular as they are, I think it's an easy upsell for a lot of people to just you know step it up a little bit and get some more power and have something that's fun while also being somewhat practical. Yeah, it's very practical knowledge that we're dropping right now. It's responsible. <laughs> it is responsible. <laughs> What else we got, Robbie? Well, Fernando Alonso is going to skip the Monaco Grand Prix and then race at the Indy 500. And since last time we talked about Formula One, people got all up in arms. <laughs> We're just going to do that again. Piss off a lot of people. What's What's your take on this? Because I find this incredibly interesting that he's being allowed to do this. I think it's a huge mistake on McLaren's <coughs> part. On who's on who's McLaren's part? part? On McLaren's part? Why? Because this is a high risk for them. Like if. I look at this as the same way I look at, like, I'm going to just use Tom Brady as an example. The Patriots pay Tom Brady ass tons of money, and they're like, hey, part of your contract says you can't ride a motorcycle because if you crash and die, we're out a shit ton of money. Right. Um, that's how I would look at this with Fernando Alonso. Um, McLaren's paying you $40 million, and we're not competitive, and they've already given up on this season. They've made it very clear 
Yeah, we can't win this year. Why bother? Who cares? Go race the Indy 500. So Fernando's going to go race the Indy 500, being paid $38 million more than the next racer. If he crashes in an Indy race, it just totally screws up his career next year at, uh, you know, assuming he, it's a, a safe, worst case scenario, he gets hurt. Yep. And it ruins his Formula One career. To me, that's not worth it for McLaren or Fernando Alonso, even though he is probably chasing out the, not the triple crown, but what do they call that? Where you get, where you win Monaco. Oh, uh, hat trick. Hat, yeah, it's, it's yeah. the, I can't even think of the races. It's the day, 24 hours of the Le Mans. Le Mans. Of Le Mans. Daytona 500. And Monaco. Yeah. And he's already done Monaco, right? Well, yeah, obviously, because he's skipping Monaco. Yeah. I don't know if he's won it or not. I don't oh, right, that right. close. Yeah, won Monaco. I'm I not think, sure I about think that. He has. Back six or so years ago. What's your take on this, Mike? It's, it's, it's all a marketing thing. I mean, I'm going to be you know conspiracy theory guy here, but you know we, we finally have a new group behind Formula One, and you know Liberty's trying to do as much as they can to grow the name, especially in the United States. I mean, that's... That's a firm goal of theirs. They've been very public about it. So you put a very likable Formula One driver into, uh, we'll say, arguably the biggest IndyCar race of the year, which is going to get a ton of press. And they're working already with IndyCar to ensure that Alonso gets all of that hype, the marketing, the TV interviews, and all that. And, and then who's running in Indy, you know, after the the 500 formula one's back so it p- can potentially then bring fans that became fans of alonzo to the formula one race that might not have been there before that's that's the marketing side of it in my mind oh absolutely as far as driver mistake i think it's ridiculous i mean he's you know he, he's reaching at anything i think because i mean he's got to be miserable i mean guys he was he was yeah. God for a long time. You yeah. know, he was right there. And, you know, what would they finish? They, they did, what, one lap in practice this week? Yeah, I think... Before the I cars think, blew up? I, think I mean, you know, you I, I saw all sorts of stuff on Facebook about... You know they're they're not even qualified to run a lemons race, and, and that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> if you're gonna idle a, a lemons race, you, they could they couldn't pull it off. Uh, and it may be fast for a couple of laps, but then what's going to happen? You know, I mean, you know, a Mercury Cruiser is going to beat him. Uh, and so I think that you know for him, it's he's he's trying to maybe just have fun and prove that he still has it. But the problem is, is he he's not going to have enough testing time. I don't care how much. He's there. He's not going to have the seat time. And, yeah, other guys have come and run, run Indy and done well. But, you know, that was Indy 40 years ago before things are the way they are now and aero packages and, you know, all the dynamic controls and all of that sort of stuff. It's not the same as when, you know, the guys did it before. And and so on, on a driver's side, I think it's a huge mistake. For McLaren, I sort of see that McLaren is maybe looking at entering Indy. And I know that's yeah, been rumored out there a little too. bit. But they've they've been in talks for I know there were talks two years ago that they were looking at possible entrance two years ago and what it would take to be involved. So this also may be a, a way of them to you know tiptoe into it by teaming up with Andretti. Yeah, and I think that'd be amazing if McLaren would get into IndyCar. I think that would it'd just help. It'd just a add a lot, lot of, a lot of international re- name recognition like you know you associate mclaren with indycar it's yep it's just a win-win for everybody yep absolutely you know, and I, I think you you definitely nailed it from a marketing perspective because i saw 
when we were looking this up, three separate articles about this one scenario with him going and racing this indie race. I saw a comment from Lewis Hamilton about how he would like to do the exact same thing. Maybe not indie. He also said MotoGP, which was which would Made be no, off the table. No it's sense at all. Would Jeez. you let your Formula One driver go race in a <laughs> MotoGP race? Never. Of all the races, I would say no to. That's pretty high on my list. Right. He had. He was like, oh, I could do Indy, or I could do NASCAR, or I could do MotoGP. And I was like, wait a second. One of these is not the same as the other. <laughs> you need to slow down. Yep. And then I saw there was a comment from uh, Bernie Eccleston about how he would never let this happen. Absolutely not. Which, you know, that's kind of old school Bernie. But, you yep. know, he's not in charge anymore. So he's got a fake title, basically. Uh, whatever, with Chairman Emeritus or whatever his title is now, so his opinion is worthless. They take his good ideas and then throw yeah, his bad a, ideas he's away. He's a figurehead. He doesn't matter. Right, exactly. They just keep him around because he's, you know, he's Bernie and he's been in the sport forever. But, um, I mean, it's generated a ton of news Clearly. for them. I mean, internationally. So it's it's worked well from that perspective. But Already. Right. I guess, you know, we'll see what happens. If he does poorly, that may you know, work against him too. Right. If he finishes really poorly or he crashes the car. Yeah, well, it's we'll still th- being talked about more this week. And there was a race three days ago. Yeah. I, no one's talking about Bahrain. Nope. I mean, they, they did that day, but everyone's still talking about Alonzo and the outrage that he's doing or the support that he's doing, whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's definitely generating interest and eyeballs and that's what matters is exposure. That was so, even a good race too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a great race. So I guess it really I, killed my uh, my fantasy GP team. Did so, it? Oh god, you I'm were fourth sport. in the fantasy GP. I what lost, happened? I don't know. I didn't get anything right this week. I lost a bunch of points. It's not pretty. <laughs> who's who's still who's winning? Is I it, don't remember. Uh, I think I think Ian from Team Clearcoat is in first, but I found out that he paid for the pro level, so he gets a little like some more budget. Than the rest of us, and I'm cheater. Cheater. Oh, Sounds like fair. cheating to me. <laughs> Collusion. Sounds like pro motorsports to me. Yeah. <laughs> he's just got more <laughs> money than you. More ahead of everyone else. It's a very good he's do, point. He's doing it right. Actually, he's doing it by the books. Yep. Uh, the, the only thing I have left on that is that McLaren is clearly showing their hands, saying we will do anything to keep Fernando Alonso happy. We can't give him a car. We will pay him anything. We'll pay him whatever he wants. We've yep. made that clear. Yep. We don't want him to sign with someone else next year when his contract's up. So we'll give him anything that makes him happy. If it means racing in a different series, if it means putting him on vacation the rest of the year, if he has ice cream cones at every race, I don't know, just stupid shit. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you though, if you were Fernando Alonso, wouldn't you <laughs> How ask... How far can I take Right, this? wouldn't you ask for the dumbest stuff you could possibly come up yeah, with? Yeah, like even even before, like when they're saying, like we're not competitive, but in the future, let's hope that we are. We're going to invest in this driver. We think this is the best driver. Like I, again, I made a piece, pissed off a lot of people a couple probably a month ago already when I said that he hasn't done anything in three years. He might be a great driver, but he hasn't done anything. And, sh- and they believe in him. And he made a mistake of leaving Ferrari and going to McLaren right at the worst time ever. So maybe McLaren's hoping they can like they can stick stick with us. We'll make it problems. worth your while. How, how we said this last time? How old is he though? He's like thirty five. Thirty five. Okay, so he's probably starting to hit that downhill slide. Yeah, as I say, how many so years do you have left in Formula One? You know. I don't know. It's kind of a young man's game. It's brutal. It's a physically brutal it, it would be motorsport br- series. It would be awesome to see McLaren get a, a decent car next year and have him be up towards the front battling with everyone else. I, I, That's the team I want to see succeed the most. Yeah, I love McLaren. I, I love, love McLaren. Yep. So maybe next year. Let's hope he stays. I think it'd be cool if he stayed. 
Yeah. We'll see what have we'll McLaren be up in the up in the ranks. We'll see what happens. What's the, does anybody remember the date for the Indy five hundred race? May something. It's Gosh, a May. I can't remember. Okay. We're terrible at this. I know. <laughs> we bring we bring real journalism and then we bring terrible. We can't do anything. <laughs> we don't remember any dates, don't remember any figures. So no. that's par for the course for us. What's the next thing, Robbie? Uh, Nissan has decided that the 350Z is not a priority, and they're going to let us know about that. I want to get Mike's take on this first, because he said he's a self-proclaimed Nissan guy. He has a juke, obviously, Nismo. How do you feel <laughs> about this, Mike? I, I, I've owned 36 dots of Nissan cars in my life. <laughs> That's amazing. Robbie, get the, your the, shit the together. The company as a whole makes me sick. I mean, it really does. I mean, it's... Yep. They, they clearly don't care about enthusiasts, and I understand that enthusiasts we don't drive the marketplace. That you know the you know soccer mom, the college kid, whatever is you know the demographic that buys more cars than anyone. But they are still here and have got to where they are based on enthusiasts. You know, I mean the cars that have made them what they are. I mean, even a Sentra SER, you know, the, the 510, the original Zs, I mean, the current Zs, you know, anything except for a early 90s Z, those should have been aborted. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they, they should be an enthusiast brand. Uh, you look at Dodge. I mean, Dodge clearly is also trying to sell a soccer mom, but has four amazing cars if you want to be an enthusiast from an SUV to, you know, a, a track day Viper. And how Nissan can sort of ignore it is uh, is, is baffling. And now that they're behind Mitsubishi, uh, you know, I mean, well, the Evo's already gone. But, you know, I mean, what's Mitsubishi going to turn into? It's going to be the same thing. We don't need more utilitarian cars. And so... Uh, you know, I'll never you know switch my love of of the brand, but uh, it's it's hard to support a company that clearly doesn't give a crap about me, my friends, my interests, that sort of stuff. You know, it's uh, yep. you know I drive a Nismo Juke, but it's uh, you know all it is is a name batch and, and cool seats. You know? <laughs> it's it's not really that much different than uh, the stock Juke, but I also own a Mazda Speed Protege and. Uh, you know, that Mazda speed over a stock protege is night and day, you know, so yeah. uh, they, they half-ass it, and, and that sucks from any company, so uh, I'm sick of it. I went down a dark JDM road I know recently, and I've just <laughs> been hiding this from Adam slightly, but I was asking Robbie, like, all these questions about Nismo shit, you know what I mean, like S-chassis stuff. And he's telling me like, yeah, yeah, like these parts fit on this and this. You, you can get this with this and this know, chassis crazy, is the same as this. It? And it's like everything in the '90s that was Nissan all swapped somewhere. Around. Yeah, you could make something fit in something else. I remember Travis was over when he was buying car parts off me. He was looking at my 240. He's like, yeah, man, I was learning about these. I I can't remember off top. now. I wish I really would remember what he said. But like, the center of the the S14 is the same as I can't like the Skyline or something. And then the bottom rear end is the same as the S. 14 or s13 or this you know he just kind of listed up he's like these are all the same as this and it's just yeah it's just crazy if you really wanted to you could just kind of cut and swap and everything would work and yeah honda was that way in the same time frame too yeah i mean that to me is like super cool because if you wanted to get you know you know how i love drift spec sedans all of a sudden out of nowhere but like if you wanted to put s chassis parts on those sedans you you can do that i mean that's a that's a thing that you can do and you can get adjustable control arms and you can you know you could make swap kit work kits work and stuff like that and that to me is like awesome but who who could you go out today and buy a car like that from no nobody i mean you could get a frs in 
do stuff with it. But everything that's on the FRS is only... FRS. Or, you know, BRZ, but the same car. Yeah. So it's not like... what Aren't your brakes from a 350? Uh, actually, my front brakes are off a 300ZX twin turbo. Uh, all it takes is a bracket to make them fit. And then the rotors are off a 350Z. They're Brembo track pack 350Z rotors. Yeah. Um, that That's not going to happen with an FR. You're not going to no. go down to a junkyard and pull parts off of a TC because they're better than what's on the FRS. No. But to Mike's point, Nissan doesn't care that I feel that way. No, who cares? Who cares? Nobody cares. Oh, you're going to buy a car that's 20 years old? Okay, great. Thanks. Cool story. But you could drive. I'm going to sort of argue, though, that Subaru is sort of still that company. I mean, you buy a current WRX, and a lot of stuff out of the GCH chassis will still work in it, and, you know, all the way up. So, I mean, whether they've done that on purpose, you know, for us, or it's just, you know, convenience is, is a different thing, but... Uh, you know, you can you can take the suspension out of a out of a Forester and Outback and throw it into you know any any standard Impreza and then have a taller you know more rally spec type suspension and that sort of stuff too. But they're a brand that at the same time doesn't really care about us either at this point. You know, and I think that's clear by the uh, the current offerings of you know WRXs and the STI and other. You know, they are what they are, but. We had a local uh, friend of ours who did the opposite with his Forester. It was basically an STI underneath. Yep. Um, he t- he actually the took engine, the parts off everything. of Legacy and put them on. You know, he had uh, Fortune coilovers and he had a fully built Legacy and it was involved in a kind of a light racing accident. He just swapped all the parts over to a Forester and uh, it had some weird reactions to like launching and hard cornering but he swapped all the parts over you know and he had a forester sti so the, he had a lot of problem with center of gravity issues because of all the glass up high <laughs> and so it had some yeah, very yeah. weird handling characteristics but it was a lot of fun to ride in yeah it looked very interesting it had like way. a big front splitter on it and everything like, was so race car it was awesome it was cool yeah it was cool. It's it's long gone since, but yeah, I suppose you know Subaru probably is. That's probably the last holdout, but we'll probably see them do less and less. And you know, like you said, the the STI is not different. I guess you know it's kind of all the same. I mean, you can claim that the new two liter motor is different, but uh, it's it's not. It's kind of all the same as the old two point five. The new one's really lost its edge. I feel like. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not exciting, let's put it that way. I'm sure it's and a great car. It, I'm sure it is a great car. It has a great interior. But I'm not running out and buying one either. No. So, anyway, we're not getting a new Z car, apparently. No. Or at least it's not a priority. Yeah, they're hanging their head on the GTR, which I Which is ridiculous. Afford, if and they, I'm not that interested in. Well, the one that their concept or what they plan to go to is, you know, leaps and bounds more expensive than what they're already at. So, hang your hat on a $200,000, $300,000 car... Not really an option. I think that the problem is, like, if you look at the other cars that are out there that are like the Z, like the FRS and the BRZ, the yep. Toyobaru twins, it was not a very good selling, or is not a very good selling car. It no, did great the first year or two, but now everybody who wants one has one, and now they just, you can't give them away. They've right. sold 30,000 BRZs and 62,000 FRSs in the United States. Since the start? Since 2012, yep. So less than... <clears throat> excuse me, less than a hundred, probably a hundred thousand now. Cause that, that, that doesn't include 
2017. So it'd be 2012 through 2016. So less than 100,000. That's not that many. It's not a lot, no. And so it's very hard to make an argument for a two-seater sports car when everybody else can't sell theirs either. I found it interesting that they've only sold 35,000 Miatas over the same time period, which is a lot less. Yeah. I'm surprised it's less. I think it'd be more. I would have. I also would have thought. I would have thought it was the same, like a hundred thousand Miatas. Yes, but only only thirty five thousand. Huh. It's not very many. The new Miata didn't have the buzz about it like the the new FRS and BRZ when it came out. Agreed. There wasn't like a monumental yeah like, number jump because they broke it out by year. The tuners and the aftermarkets they like didn't go ape shit over it like they did the Toyota Baru. Yeah, I, and I think agreed. that probably drove a lot of sales. Yeah, agreed. There's there's some there's some really sick I mean FRS BRZ builds out there. Yeah. I haven't seen any like really crazy some Miatas. Ferrari engine swapped monstrosities. I, I haven't mean, se- I haven't seen I've seen like a Rocket Bunny Miata and that's it. You know what I mean? Uh Flying Miata's got their LS one. It's just <laughs> they pulled rude. pulled the engine out. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Let's just start over. Yeah. Let's try to make it a little mini Corvette. Yeah. So, but interestingly, they've sold over that same time period 471,000 Mustangs. And four hundred and one thousand Camaros. God, that's crazy. Damn. think about that. <laughs> that's crazy. That is crazy. Four well, times as many. So you can kind of make the argument that performance coupes don't sell. However, however, they do sell. They do. If sell. You get it right. Yeah. The Mustang or the the Corv. Wow, I can't even talk today. The Camaro. Has a lot of things right, but still has a lot of things wrong too. Can't see anything? I, I hate driving that car. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I haven't driven the Mustang, so I can't tell you. I think it'd be better. Just after just driving, the, after it, driving the Camaro, I can tell you. I think it's better. I thought for sure it would have been like five hundred thousand Mustangs, two hundred fifty thousand Camaros, because it's that bad to see out of. I see so many Camaros. There's so many V6 Camaros being driven around by everybody. So it must be popular. Obviously, it is popular. Yeah. They're, they're selling them. So I, I don't find that, well, and they're inexpensive too. I mean, and that's comparative in the marketplace. Yeah, you know, you take a you know six cylinder Camaro or Mustang for you know high twenty versus a three seventy Z at forty five. Well, if you're a twenty five year old kid, what are you going to be able to afford? Well, even the FRS or the V six Mustang, Michael and I have had this conversation many times. If I had to pick between the two because they're nearly the same price, I'm taking the Mustang. It's a better, faster car for basically yep. the same amount of money. Back in twenty, probably in twenty fourteen. Now, technically, beginning of twenty fourteen, when I was pricing out buying a new car, I looked at a BRZ, and it was only like one option package above. You know, just the it was like twenty seven thousand, and then the one option package that I wanted because all I wanted was heated seats, but you had to get like six other things. Of course, we talked about this before. Yeah, it was like twenty nine or thirty thousand dollars. So it's $30,000 for a car that makes 150 foot-pounds of torque. 200 horse. Or you could go over to the Ford dealership and get a Mustang with the turbo, the EcoBoost. Well, at that time, you just had the V6. True. But still. 320 horsepower or whatever. Yeah. You know, 320 horsepower, 300 and so foot-pounds of torque, or 200 and 150. You know, that's, there's your value proposition there, and you know. In America, we don't have a space problem, so you know you could also say it's a little bigger car. But look, you got a trunk space and a back seat and all this stuff, you know. So I think if you position yourself correctly in the market, you can make 
you know, you can, there's an appeal for a sports sedan. And especially if they were going to do something like the FRS, but just have it factory turbocharged, I think that would be huge, even if you charged more than the FRS. I also think that a Z would sell better than the FRS because there's so many people who are Z car fanatics because they've been around for so long. Yep. There's a lot of Robbies and Mikes out there. That's true. They need to, well, they should just discontinue 350Z or 370Z and move on to another platform. Like, I, I people have been saying for years we need an S, uh, Sylvia S16. Yep. So it'd be a very popular. How about card. they release the IDX that they've already said they're yeah, not going to exactly. do? There you go. Or that. Give us that an, would sell. Give us an IDX with a turbo. I don't even care how big the motor yep. is. Just give us a turbocharger and let the aftermarket do their work at do that its point. Thing. Because there's a big yep. difference between, you know, spending couple extra grand up front buying a car with a turbo motor versus having to go to an aftermarket company and buy like a five or six thousand dollar turbocharger package and then put it on your car and void your warranty yeah and in order to make that like with the frs they're fairly high compression motors right which i mean boost is how it's a ticking time bomb no matter how good it's done it's a ticking time bomb. When you're running high compression and boost on the street, yep. something's bound to go wrong at some point. So, Yeah, I agree. Just do it from the factory. You've got more control over it, and I, I think the market's there. But maybe they'll start listening to the show, Robbie. I hope and so. they'll catch on. Gosh, I totally forgot about Audi the Audi Yeah. Anyway, what else we got, Robbie? We wrap this up with an 8-year-old learns how to drive on YouTube and then takes a sister to McDonald's. So this is... Uh, this is probably written eight years from now for me. Yeah, probably. Uh, except he Logan's learned to steal the car. Except that he learned how to play it on Forza because I made him, or he learned how to drive on Forza because I made him, and and then he stole my car and went to McDonald's. That would not surprise me. It's probably at what all. this is probably going to repeat eight years from now for sure. I would. Yeah, but the, the best part of the story is he had to go a mile or a little over a mile. He had to negotiate some turns. And he had to drive through the drive-thru. Oh, he took it through the drive-thru. He took it through the drive-thru. Successfully. So, no crashes. I dated girls in high school that couldn't do that. I, I know. I, I'm with you. <laughs> I hear you 100%. No, he, co- eight no comments. years old. <laughs> no comment on the girls you dated in high school. Eight years old, he was able to pull this off. And he took his sister. And, and eight what years a guy. Old, how did he remember how to get there? Like, how many times has his mom taken him to that McDonald's <laughs> that he knew what he makes? Like, five left-hand turns and a right-hand turn? Yeah. yeah like that. I mean, the kid had to make five, six turns. And knew how to get to McDonald's his first time driving. I mean, the kid's a baller. Like, you know, <laughs> my <laughs> thing was, so I, I get this kid a car. Years old. I've got kids. I don't know if my kids could drive down the street. My more point, or less, you know, get to McDonald's. My thing on this was like, just give him a permit. At this point, like, what? what he's, he's proven he's himself he's already. Proven he's perfectly fine. Like, just just let him do it supervised because he's he drives a lot better than most people that have driver's licenses. They said yeah. people that saw it happen said he was actually driving safer than a bunch of other people that were in the same area. At he the was same actually time. stopping at stop signs. He, he stopped at the stoplight. He waited. He he waited for traffic to go until he turned left to get into the McDonald's parking lot. He successfully went through the drive-through. He made his order. <laughs> he paid with money from his piggy bank. Yeah, he has own money too, and he <laughs> paid for his sister. This kid is so mature for an eight-year-old. Yeah, just just let him have a permit. I man. can only dream of raising a kid this good. Yeah, I can't even be mad about no, it. I, I, mad I think the it. cops were the same way. They're like, uh, let's give this kid a medal or something. Let's let's shake his hand and send him home. Drive home, you're fine. Well, how many times have you seen someone curb hop or curb rash a wheel oh, in, in a McDonald's drive-thru? Oh, yeah. I mean, it happens yeah. over and over, and this kid pulls it off without doing anything. Like, first time ever driving. Straight up. 
Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's sick. He's a prodigy. Just let him drive. Yeah, give him a racing license. Give him a, get, somebody, somebody should call him up. And be like, hey, is this kid ever done any karting? Yeah, like, I you was wanna... gonna say, let's get this kid in a cart. Let's get this going. He's yeah, the future he, Fernando Alonso. He could be. Yeah, this kid could be making thirty-eight million dollars. Yeah. You know, in the future, a year. I love it. Uh, I thought it was interesting that somebody in the McDonald's noted, like knew him, and he, that's how he got caught. Like what? A, <laughs> they call, what a shitty way to get caught. Yeah, he called his grandparents, and then grandparents called the police. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't even like somebody's like, "Hey, there's an eight year old driving that car." They're like, "Hey, I know that kid. Why is he in the car?" And then they called called his grandparents. What a bummer, dude. He almost made it. I I also think it's funny that there's driving instruction videos on YouTube. That doesn't surprise me. There's instruction videos for everything on YouTube. Like I, if I, I guess, I mean, if I need, if I'm stumped uh, on something and I, I just, I go to YouTube and search how to do this stupid thing that I should know how to do, but I don't know how to do because I'm stupid. And then there's some video of somebody saying, I'm gonna Hey, search that. Somebody's Try like, it. Hey, stupid. <laughs> it's so easy. And then they show you how to do it and then you can go and do it. The be- oh, I remember one I did recently. I was looking for a steering wheel adapter for the RX-7. And I wanted a Grant adapter. I was like, I couldn't find the Grant adapter. I'm like, has anybody put a Grant wheel on an RX-7 before? And I searched it in YouTube, and like 20,000 people have viewed this video. Oh, yeah. I'm like, and it's a guy with his phone, you know, from five years ago, and it's shaking. He can't see shit because it's all shaking. You know what I mean? And he's just talking. And I'm like, people, you know, people watch that There's instructional. There's 20,000 other people I know. who wondered if they could put that wheel in their car. I, yeah, I know. Well, the fu- there was one that, it's not on YouTube, which I might have to. But there was someone posted on the 240SX LS swap uh, Facebook group the other day. They're like, hey, here's a, my setup for my speedometer. It doesn't work. Anyone had this problem? And like the first eight comments were like, the period. Like just to mark it so that yep. they would get notifications if someone commented. Uh, and, side note, you can turn on notifications for a post without commenting on it. Okay, Mr. Fancy. Did Facebook you not guy. know that? Did you <sighs> not know that, nuts. Robbie? Well, I knew you could. I just, oh, okay. I just, these are the people that didn't. So, 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 the, so then Facebook. there's a couple other people that said, hey, I don't know. I'm stumped. My speedometers never worked either. So then I just wrote up a quick paragraph about like, I got mine to work by doing this. And then someone confirmed it. And then, you know, that would made, that every one of those people went on YouTube. You should you know make that. that a YouTube video. You could have 20,000 views too, Robbie. I might have to. You could have made 10 tenths. Here's made, how to set up you your You could have made 30 cents off YouTube monetization if you uh, had done that. Man, I could be YouTube famous. You could be YouTube famous, Robbie. <laughs> Cash all that dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you need $10 for the let you withdraw? You need 100. Yeah, so, you know. Well, you also need 10,000 views to monetize now. Yep. Yeah, they They're making it changes. harder for us. Whatever. We're getting there. I won't worry about it. So anyway, cool kid. Yeah. Cool story. Like where his head's at. That was better He's than going places. That was better than the story I was gonna put on the list about crazy driving crap. Did you see the dude in I think Australia that had an unregistered car? It was like a Ford Escort. He was pulling a twenty thousand gallon uh, <laughs> um, it was like a water tank, you know, on a farm. He had like Toe straps around it and was oh, pulling it not on like the on a trailer. No, no, just dragging. Just dragging. No, no. I think it was on a trailer, but the trailer was broken and the axle had fallen off, oh. so he's dragging it. So the car's unregistered. He doesn't have a license and he's dragging this broken trailer with no axle water tank thing down the road. And they caught him, and obviously he was not sober. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna no say kidding. how high was he? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was that was my driving uh, driving story. I think yours was better. It was much happier. Yours was more heartwarming. Sure. Mine was kind of weird. I just found it funny being a father. Yeah, I can see that from my kid coming here soon. Yeah. At least you didn't get charged with anything either. No, no, his, no, his, his parents didn't either. Parents just, didn't get charged, like, so. Yeah, it's a cute story. It's, Everyone's fine. It's a happy I'm surprised story. surprised that they didn't get child endangerment or something like that yeah. in this day and age, you know? I, 
I think maybe it was a small town and everybody, you know, kind of yeah. had a laugh and good. Moved no, on. That's the right way to respond to that. It's it's less common in this world. Let's put it that way. Yeah. In this day and age, so I think that's all we got for news. Uh, Mike, thank you very much for spending a little time and getting away from the juke for a little bit to uh, come on the show and entertain us, entertain us with some of your stories. So we greatly appreciate it, and we greatly appreciate um, everything Titan Fuel Tanks has done for us. So. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for helping expose the brand. Absolutely. Sounds good. We'll catch you later. All right. Later, guys. Intro, social media, um, Adam's opener. I'm not doing it. It's not happening. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to bring it up, and then you're going to say that you're not doing it. <sighs> I don't even get the joke. That's the best part. <laughs> As a listener, I'm going to tell you I get the joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> damn it. He said yesterday, literally nobody damn. understands what that means. I don't get it. <laughs>